Hi, everyone. Welcome to Six Figure Authors, the show that helps you take your writing career to the next level. I'm Andrea Pearson, and I'm here with my two co-hosts. I'm Lindsay Baroker. And I'm Joe Lalo. And today we have a guest. Super excited about this. Um, our guest this week is Cami Chekets. Cami is a part-time author, a full-time exercise consultant, part-time housekeeper, full-time wife, and overtime mother of four adorable boys. Sleep and relaxation are fond memories. Uh, <laughs> I understand. <laughs> She's never been happier. Cami is the author of over 100 romantic suspense novels. She's a USA Today and award-winning author. And you also write like um, not just romantic suspense, but like a bunch of different romance genres, right? mostly romantic suspense some rom-com so no i don't branch out too much i haven't done history or anything you know really hard <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's me i'm like i don't want to do history i just do contemporary romance when i'm doing romance yeah i'd love to read it but i think oh the research would kill me i would never yeah. do it all yeah and then knowing how to say things and <laughs> and like all the sayings and things like that oh my gosh yeah something up and somebody call me out for sure <laughs> anyway well welcome to our show thank you i'm excited to be here yeah i'm really excited to have you we've had a bunch of people request you so uh nice yeah um okay so can you tell us about your writing and publishing journey okay how far back do you want to go <laughs> let's go back to childhood okay. <laughs> just kidding I'll make it quick um so i actually grew up a little dairy farm in idaho daydream nonstop. read tons and tons of books i was always wrecking my bike into the tractor because i was off in some daydream you know but if somebody would have told me at that point hey you're going to be an author i'd have been like and let's fly to the moon next you know because they were just wasn't even the wheelhouse. I, I went to school with 40 kids. I mean, you know, I just didn't even imagine going to college was the big dream. And I was able to go to college. I graduated with a degree in exercise science, which I loved. And I was really focused on that. Got married, had my first couple boys. After my second son was born, it was kind of sad. He was the cutest, fattest little thing. And I was really struggling. I had some really bad postpartum depression. And my mom came over and she's like the no-nonsense mama, you know? She dragged me out of bed. She's like, get your butt downstairs and write me a book. And I was like, really? Write a book? She's like, yeah. And that was all it took. And I started writing a book that day, fell in love with it. Um, five years later of... I don't know if you guys have been through this. I, I think most of us have lots of rejection, lots of, you know, trying to find the right house. I was um, picked up by an awesome publishing house, uh, got published in 2007. So, um, yeah, like I said, it started in 2002. Uh, about 2012, I realized that the publishing houses were awesome, but they were like, we want you to write one book a year. And I'm thinking readers want a lot more than that. And I'm writing a lot faster than that. So I kind of thought that was dumb. So I was able to get the rights back to one of my books. And I, a good friend taught me into self-publishing and actually that first book went awesome because back in the day, I don't know if you guys were, um, with Amazon in 2012, but if you had a book for free, um, it would go awesome. And you'd be number one. I was number one all the way across the board. The free book moved straight over to the paid list and I was number one. And so I actually made a whole bunch of money. I was like, sweet, I can do this. Well, I got my next book out a couple months later, totally tanked. The system had changed and <laughs> it did not go so well, but that, you know, but it was just that little bit of success. I would put that money aside and, and able to focus on my writing, even though I kept having babies and was busy with that. Um, and so I would say like, that was kind of the launch to my career. 2014, I met some of my dearest writing friends and we started the snow valley series together 
and I would say that was another point where it kind of launched my career and I started writing more and more and having more success with it. So is that enough? <laughs> Lindsay's comment in the chat was great. I'm going to read it. I thought it was funny. She says, hopefully mom is getting a cut of the royalties. <laughs> ah, seriously. <laughs> seriously. I actually have to pay my mom and my oldest son because my oldest son is hilarious. <laughs> I'm like, I steal all your sayings and he's so cute. He's like, mama, do you buy me lunch once in a while? You don't need to pay me royalties. <laughs> That's awesome. Postpartum depression is not fun. I had it really bad after my second and uh, it just, it killed me for like nine months. It was awful. That's about me too. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. So then after that, so, so the, um, you, you did the series with other authors. Um, when, when, I mean, which of your series have like done the best on your own? I mean, how did it go after that? Because I know your success is built from there. Yeah. So, you know, for a while I had this great group and we kind of say, Hey, let's do football players together. Hey, well, let's do Navy SEALs together. And so we kind of do our own series, but we kind of still, we rely on each other a lot. And I honestly, it was only oh, a few years ago that it just, I was praying about it. Like, what should I do? How can I, you know, bring my work to others and um, felt very strongly that I needed to be on my own. And so it was kind of a hard conversation with my awesome friends. You know, I've got to go just strictly on my own. And I think the first series I did by myself was the Hawk brothers. And so I just kind of took this, you know, four brothers and wrote their stories and that went extremely well. And then from then I've just been on my own. But I mean, you know, we really still support each other and love each other. I actually spent the most of the week with those same writer friends at a retreat, you know, so we're still there for each other, but we're not in each other's pockets trying to write together anymore. So the Hawk brothers, that's also like romantic suspense and all of that. Yeah, pretty much all mine are. I mean, even if I have just a straight romance, there's going to be some suspenseful scenes in it, you know, and I try to always include comedy. I'm not really funny in person, but hopefully I'm a little funny. <laughs> My husband's funny. So I still <laughs> so. Yeah. I just, I don't have as much experience with romantic suspense. And so I'm very curious about it. I need, I need to look up your books because I know I've read one of them, but it was very, very light on the romantic suspense. And so, and oh, I don't cool. even remember what the title was anymore. That's how great I am at this. No, <laughs> um, you're but kidding. yeah. Um, okay. So we're going to talk about things like managing a large backlist and other business aspects of being a prolific author. Um, have you ever considered splitting your romance, like the ones that aren't romantic suspense into like a pen name or anything like that? You know, I haven't, and I'm not the expert here, but I, from what I understand and from what's happened with me, Amazon seems to really like when I get two books out a month, they seem to be nicer to me. They seem to push me in the rankings better. And so I think for me, it would hurt me to have a pen name because it would kind of split that. And plus most of my books are pretty much, I think I call it clean romance, romantic suspense with a side of comedy. And like you said, some of them are lighter on the suspense, some are lighter on the comedy, but there's usually, I, I don't go so drastically, like I'm not writing vampires and, you know, historicals. So I don't feel like I have to split so I have to say, uh, I did the re I entered to do the, the Rita one year with RWA and they send you, for those who don't know, you've probably done it like eight things you have to read. And I was like super bored because I'm a sci-fi fantasy person and they were all like straight romance. And the one that was awesome. I was like, this story is really gripping. It was romantic suspense. So obviously you picked a superior genre because I was like, there was mafia and then it was good stuff. Well, if you don't have the suspense in it, I'm like, okay, so I, you have to tear the characters apart. And if, if you don't have the suspense, you have to do that with emotional stuff. And I'm, 
I'm not very emotional. So <laughs> I poor boys, you know. So, yeah, that that's just a personal <laughs> preference for me as a reader. I like there to be some external conflict and adventure going on that just kind of throws them together. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And they just have this fun adventure that you're long for, right? Yeah. Definitely. So I have to ask, you know, as someone myself with a fairly substantial backlist, I'm always curious what other authors are doing to keep their older titles selling. So for your older series, do you run ads or sales or what, what do you do kind of there? Yeah. I, I hate to say it. The older backlist is hard. I mean, I make, I, I actually looked at it the other day because you kind of assume you're making all your money on your new releases, but I went and looked, and I'm actually making, you know, at least 50 to 60% on those older titles. So, you know, just a little bit adds up when you have a lot, but I don't, we tried to do, I have a great ad agency that does my ads and we tried to do, um, some older, you know, like let's do first in a series and see if we can resurrect some old series. And it didn't, the ads didn't for us go so well, maybe for some, it would, for me, the best thing, um, you know, book bug featured deal will spur something awesome, but I don't know if you guys are the same in sci-fi, but in romance, they're hard to get. I, I pretty much am always applying and I love those rejection letters all the time. But I, so I, you know, I try for those a lot. I do like combinations where I take, um, ask my buddies to put it in their newsletter and I'll put it in 99 cents or something. And then I'll do e-reader news and Robin reads and I can't remember faithful reads, you know, a few of those together at the same time. And you can get almost as low as a book bub with something like that. Um, but really it's kind of sad, but I think for all of us, we want the newest thing, right? We want the shiny new penny. You know, I don't go back and read old books of authors that I love. I want their new stuff. So I think for most of the time, the new stuff sells better. Uh, one other thing though, actually I have done, I don't know how, how much I'd recommend it, but I've gone through with really old titles that have like horrible covers and, you know, the first things I ever wrote and I'll re-edit it. I'll rebrand it put on a new cover, put on a new title. I'll make sure to say everywhere, like, Hey, this is, you know, used to be called the colony and now it's called love and lies or whatever. Um, so people don't think I'm trying to trick them into buying another book, but, um, that has researched some old titles or old series, but it's kind of a lot of work too, you know? Yeah, I've definitely gone back and I didn't know what I was doing with cover design back then and, you know, <laughs> 10 years ago and trying to find people with stuff. So I've gone back and redone some covers and uh, yes, it's just as hard with sci-fi and fantasy to get a book bub ad. Uh, one thing that works kind of well for me is I did like a, I don't know if you're an exclusive with Amazon or not and can give away books. I'm, I'm kind of both. I mean, I only have like three series out wide and then most of the rest of them are exclusive because the Kindle Unlimited is probably like 70% of my income. So yeah, I hear you. But yeah, I did like a four book bundle of my series starters and I give it away when people sign up for my newsletter. So that's kind of helped drive, set, you know, new people to the older stuff, but maybe I'm not doing two books a month. So <laughs> my readers run out of stuff and they have to go back and check out the old stuff. But um, I just did want to ask real quick, cause I know people are going to wonder what ad agency are you doing? Cause people always want to like, uh, I'm not going to say foist that off on someone else, but I uh, oh, nice. always would love to have somebody else manage their ads. Yeah. If you don't mind sharing. No, you're awesome. So I found my ad agency, actually my, my dear friends um, own a swimsuit company and they're super successful. And I was like, who are you guys using? You know, and they actually, it's called disruptive advertising. So it, it's a, I think it's a pretty big agency. I don't know. I just have one guy I work with who's awesome, but he does my Facebook. We've done Google. We're working now on him taking over Amazon, which would be really nice. Cause I have no clue what I'm doing with him, <laughs> but, but yeah, so that it, it is nice. Just not the stress of it, you know, cause that can still a lot of your time, 
and I like to write. I'd rather write if I have time. So, yeah. All right. It must be pretty decent because as we've, we've talked about, uh, ads are kind of hard, like you need to be good at ads to even break even. So if you're going through an agency and they're still worthwhile, then you're getting some good ads out of them for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, folks who don't have a large backlist or who don't have a backlist that goes back a number of years tend not to be aware of some of the complications that can introduce them to a career. Uh, I know for me, applying corrections to older books when I find out about them can be an enormous chore, especially if you're wide, because you have to do it across the various uh, places. Um, do you keep your backlist up to date? Do you go back and, uh, and like uh, update the back matter when you have a new book out or like how, how much interaction do you have with your backlist? mostly usually when I do a sell or when I get a book by bad or something, then I'll go and say, okay, it's worth it to spend the time to, yeah, put in my new book list and, you know, put in the edits that are, that I've got sitting there waiting for me. But, um, I, besides that, I don't really touch it too much. I have quite a few books in audio. And if you mess with the book, then you mess up the whisper sync and you mess up, you know, your, and your audio company is not thrilled with that. So I kind of, I try to leave them alone. I actually did mess up one of my books completely with audio. I, I changed it and didn't even think about it. And later got to notice that the whisper sync wasn't working. I'm like, Oh crap. <laughs> so yeah. So mostly, yeah. Like I said, just when I have a cell, when I have some reason to, but I don't deal with them very much. I don't spend a lot of time on that. Yeah. Whisper sync is, is one of those things that people don't really think about like, cause it, it's, it's not under your control. It's something that, that is done for you. So you sort of, you know, don't even include it in your thinking a lot. And I actually have thought about the whisper sync, whisper sync thing. And, uh, so far I haven't screwed them up too much, but then again, my updates tend to be, I forgot a word here or I misspelled a word there. And I guess it's just not quite enough to throw it off, yeah. but yeah, it's definitely something to keep in mind if you've got a reasonably well performing uh, audiobook and ebook because they can they can interact poorly in that way. Yeah. Yeah. And I just don't like dealing with audio, so I don't want to mess anything up there. <laughs> yeah, I agree with that. Um I I have not delved too much into audio. Um and uh what I have done I've been doing in in different ways, not you know like on YouTube and just find away voices and there's been a lot of problems on my side like audible when final wave voices sent it to audible, when audible uploaded to Amazon or however it works, they uploaded it with the wrong metadata and it's not on final ways part. It's on Amazon's back end, and nobody can understand why, but it's under my series name from 2016. And it hasn't been that since 2016. I'm like, guys, seriously. So my audio book doesn't even sync with my, you know, ebook and print book is, is it's at very aggravating. <laughs> yeah. All that work. And then I want them to sync up. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Okay. So, um, all right. So my next question, okay. I'm going to ask a, a pre question. Um, let me just double check that nobody else is asking it ahead of time. How much, how much do you write every day? And, um, how, and like, basically how, how many books do you write per month? All of that stuff per month. How many books do you write per month? 20, 10, <laughs> <laughs> just two, <laughs> so, just, just two, just <laughs> two books a month. <laughs> There's a lot of crap up here. I got to get out. <laughs> so, so yeah, I, I aim for two books a month. Um, I, if I can write 5,000 words a day, I can stay on target. And so I have it, I, I live by my calendar. I have it all plotted out like, okay, 5,000 words these days, this day is for edits. This day is for 
you know, maybe taking a break and actually being a good mom, but <laughs> usually just on the weekends, <laughs> I don't ever take. So luckily, you know, my kids are in school full time. So I wake up and work out, get them off to school. And then I write until they get home. I don't, I try not to make any exceptions to that and just churn it out, you know? So how, how old not, are your kids then? Oh, so honestly, I, they're getting older. So I have a 22 year old who's married. I have a 19 year old who's in Texas on a mission for a church of 15 and 11. So they're getting easier, really. <laughs> no, I'm running all over with practice and everything else, but they can cook themselves eggs. So we're good. <laughs> See, this is something that I'm always like, oh, my kids are so time consuming, like my two-year-old especially. And people are like, it doesn't get better when they're teenagers and older. It's all emotionally time consuming. And I'm like, don't uh, tell me things like this. <laughs> yeah, it's actually super fun. I love teenagers and my kids bring their friends to our house so we have a party nonstop. And then we actually, in our church, we're over like 180 college students. So yeah, I pretty much just, as soon as I get done with writing, I start cooking because everybody <laughs> starts showing up. <laughs> but That's yeah, so awesome. I think a two-year-old's harder though, for sure. Uh-huh. Yeah, he's very, <laughs> this one especially. Um, okay, so you write when, when they get into school and then about until they get home. Do you know about how many words a day that is or... So like 5,000 is my okay. goal. 5, yeah. That's what you said. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So how do you, how do you prevent burnout? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think, um, okay. Honestly, because I feel like, I mean, everybody's busy, you know, but I've always felt like I've always been riding with kids. So it's been nap time or up late or up early, or, you know, my honey being awesome and taking them for a minute so I can write. So I usually, when I get my butt in the chair, I just have to write. And I really haven't had many times. I actually had, okay, here's a little story for you. Um, I, I was writing a book and I'd taken a side character from another book who was just hilarious. I just loved the guy. He was larger than life. And I was about halfway through the book and I was like, I can't do this. I'm not funny and I can't keep his personality true. And I got to quit this book. And I called a good friend, Christina Demick. I, she writes as Lucy McConnell. And I told her, you know, I, I, I can't do this book. And I was shocked because she's a sweetie. I thought she'd be like, oh, Cam, yeah, I understand. She said, Cam, you get your butt in that chair and you write me that book. And I was like, okay. (laughs) Hung up the phone. I sat down and I just, you know, okay, get my butt to work. And honestly, for me, the more I write, the more I'm inspired. So even if I like want to check emails, want to, you know, if I just force myself, get my butt in my chair and when work, then that's where I get my inspiration. So for me, I haven't really dealt with too much burnout just because I don't have time to slow down. You know, I'm sure as I get older and the kids are gone and I have all day, maybe that'll come. Yeah. My burnouts usually happen when like something happens in my personal life that makes it so that I can't, and then it's just can't devote the time I need to, to my business. And therefore like things in the business start to slide. And that's, that's usually when my burnouts happen. Mm -hmm. Um, okay. Actually, I think that was the end of my question. Go ahead, Joe. Okie dokie. Um, uh, okay. So a lot goes into publishing besides writing and, and, um, you two books a month, uh, is a gosh darn good thing to, to shoot for. If I can get one book every three months, I feel like I'm doing pretty good. Um, so if you're a prolific writer, you can hit stumbling blocks, even if you're writing at a good clip, because there's editing to worry about and, and uh, covers to get done. So how do you handle scheduling the cover art and editing slots when you're com- when coming out with books that frequently? Um, like I said, I live by my calendar, so I have this big old desk calendar and I schedule everything out. I'm a little bit OCD, I guess. Um, so my, my editors, I've, I've really been lucky. I've gotten three great editors that I trust and that 
will do what, you know, they're great to me, but I, I try to schedule them out three to six months in advance. So they know, okay, like October 22nd, to 29th, it's this guy, you know, and then I just keep pushing it through. Um, same thing with cover. I have an awesome cover artist, but I always try to give him a month and I have like six to nine covers ready for him to work on and he'll have that month and then I'll move on in the next series. So yeah, I'm just really like live by my calendar is the only way I can do it. Cause if I get behind, then I'm stressed and nobody wants to be around me. <laughs> and I, with my kiddos, my husband's awesome, but you know, sometimes I'll hear them say stuff to their friends, like mom's on a deadline. She's always on a deadline. And I'm like, ah, oh, crap, I don't want to be that mom, you know? So I try really hard to stay organized. So I don't get to those points where I'm writing 12 hours a day and nobody wants to be around me, you know? Did that answer it? Sorry. No, yeah. That, that, but yeah. Uh, so how deep is your pipeline? Like, obviously you can't have an edit. You, you, you can't set up, well, you can set up an edit early, but you can't like have an edit being done while you're writing, but you can have a, a, a cover being done by or while you're writing, but then you'd have to know what the cover needs to be. So like what book are you writing versus what book you're releasing? How long does it take from, from end to end on that? It's pretty quick. Um, I usually think, let me think, sorry. Um, so I'll start a book and I'll write, like I said, I'll have two weeks to write it basically. And there'll be, you know, different edits and things that are coming up in between. Send it to the first editor. He gets it back to me within like five days. I do the revision, sit in the next editor, another like five to six days. I do that three times. Um, and then usually by the time the last editor gets back to me, I have a day or two to upload it to Amazon before pre-orders do. And pre-orders what three days. So did anybody add that up? Is that like five, six weeks? That sounds so, better, right? Yeah. So <laughs> Joe is nodding books. affirmative. <laughs> like, I'm not mad. But I pretty much always have one book I'm writing and a couple that are in the editing process. So that does sometimes throw me off when I'm like, so in the groove of this book and all of a sudden I get edits back and I'm like, ah, oh, crap. You know, I've got to switch back to that characters and that book. And sometimes that's hard. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty similar, so I can definitely understand that. Uh, we fantasy people, you know, we got to write like 150,000 word novels, so it's, it's a little slower, but... Um, yeah, three months would be amazing then. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm curious, I'm just going to assume that romantic suspense is super competitive because it seems like every romance genre is. Do you have any thoughts for uh, people that are maybe newer authors trying to break in now? What, what, what would you suggest? Um... <laughs> I always honestly um, go back to keep writing, write the next book. Cause I think you can get pretty hung up on, you know, well, this book didn't go well, but it's like, well, but you've got a, another book for your backlist. So write the next book and write the next book. You know, that's always my advice for newbies. Um, the, I think the advertising you have to do, but I think the best advertising I've done, I, I guess maybe it's not advertising, but building my newsletter. And like I said, I love my ad agency and they're so awesome. They're like, Hey, we want, to work ourselves out of a job. We want to get your newsletter so strong, your presence strong that you don't have to pay us anymore. I mean, they're super awesome like that. And obviously you're still going to have to do some advertising, but I think if you can be independent of, I don't know if it's this way for you guys, but Facebook isn't as great as it used to be. You know, you used to be able to put money in Facebook and you drop rank and you make more money. And I don't know, maybe I'm not doing it right, but I don't think like Facebook's as strong. I feel like Amazon's getting a little stronger so if, you know, if you're a newbie, I think I'd definitely do Amazon ads. I would say also, I don't know if this is too much on the question, but, um, I, I've given up on most of Amazon ads except for the automatic ones. And they seem to be performing the very best right now. Um, 
but you guys know the only constant is change. And, you know, you think, ah, yeah, I've got this figured out and then something changes. So, um, to be honest with you, I pray really, I pray hard and I put in a lot of hours and I just trust that Heavenly Father will make up the difference. Cause I'm not an expert on the ads at all. That's, and that's probably why I pay ad agency too. Right. Cause I, I know I'm not good at it. Well, it seems like you're doing enough good things, right? That things are going pretty well. Uh, I feel like that's the most important thing. I mean, you have to learn some of the marketing, right? To like be competitive, but just writing good stories. And obviously if you can write quickly and release more often, that's super helpful too, for kind of gaining that momentum. Yeah. And some I know have like, um, written a few and saved them and then kind of done a rapid release. Uh, you know, that might be, if you're just starting out to wait, I also think too, you know, I don't know if you guys are this way, but I look back at my first books and I'm like, you know, I'm actually really glad those weren't super successful because I learned a lot and I've improved a lot and I don't really want the huge success coming to those, those first books that weren't as good. Do you know what I mean? So I think sometimes it's just this process. And I, I know we all want like instant success, but I think, um, just putting in the time. And if you're passionate about it, if you love it, it's going to come through in your work too. Right. And you're going to be successful. Maybe it's not in instantly in money, but maybe it's successful in sharing stories that you love with others, you know, or just doing what you love. I mean, I, my husband teases me. He's like, most people don't get up and get all happy to go to work cam. And I'm like, yeah, we're really, really blessed that we do, we do what we love and we're able to do it as a career, you know? So sometimes it is a slow path though. Um, I think it was Clive Cussler that said, like somebody was saying, you were an overnight success. And he's like, yeah, 11 night, 11 years of staying up every night writing. That's, you know, pretty much an overnight success. So yeah, I think, I don't know. There's some that have had the quick success, but most of us have had to put in a lot of time. Yeah. I think that it's actually probably, like you said, probably better, even though people don't want to hear that when it takes time because you learn so much along the way. And sometimes if you have that instant success, like you don't know how to follow that up with a, another series that's going to sell just as well. And then you're like, what happened to my career? Yeah. And I think it can be debilitating too. Like, I don't know, we're all a little bit of head cases. So if you had like this instant huge success up front, you, you know, you could like freeze up and I don't, I don't know if I can do it again, you know? where I think the gradual putting the time in and you like, yeah, so you learn so much. I mean, one of the biggest things I've learned is just finding the right writer friends for me that support me and love me and lift me. And I have this awesome friend, Taylor Hart. She's well, her real name's Taryn Taylor, but anyway, she always says over and over again, you lift me and I lift you and we rise together. And I'm just such a proponent of that. Like get to writers conferences, get to writing retreats, whatever you got to do to find your, your path that's going to lift you will make you help, will help your success tons too. Yeah, that's definitely true. And so many writers are like their, fa their family doesn't get it, you know, and it's like, are <laughs> their the regular friends from their regular life are not into it. And you feel like you're just hiding at the bedroom at night, <laughs> doing it, doing your weird little thing. So yeah. that's some great advice. It is so true. Like I said, I was just with my writing friends and we're just like, we get each other. This is so fun, you know? And, um, I went to lunch once with my husband and some business guy and I had a writing friend show up because we were not at home. We were far, far away, you know, and we just chat, chat, chat the whole time. And about halfway through lunch, my husband's business associate looks at him and he goes, please say they're not talking about real people. They've like killed 20 people in this lunch conversation. <laughs> He's like, no, they're crazy. They live in their heads. <laughs> but yeah, it is a blessing to have those people in your life that understand you. 
Um, so one more quick question for me here for, since we are, you know, you are in a competitive genre, I'm sure people are going to be especially curious what a book launch looks like for you. Maybe when you're launching a new series. Oh, okay. Um, well, I set up the Amazon ads as much in advance as I can. So as I get the pre-orders up, I'll set up some ads. So they start ticking at like really low, you know, like $5 a day or whatever. And then, and when we get close to like the day before I'll up it, it depends like, you know, so maybe $500 a day or something just for a day or two. Um, the Facebook is similar. They, they keep the bid spend pretty low, but they, as soon as I get a book to them, they try to get it going. So you know how that works, like so much better if you, um, have the ad running longer. So they'll set those up and then we'll up the money on launch day. Um, on launch day, I have some amazing friends who always send out their newsletter for me that have great followings. That's a huge one. And what else? Um, like book bub, new release. Have, I, I don't, I've just been messing around with the book bub. Um, what's it called? New release for less featured deal or whatever. I've done a few of those lately. I don't know. They're definitely not like a book bub featured deal, but also is a full price. It's not a discount. So I don't know if that hurts a little bit, but those seem to help too. Um, trying to think of anything else, you know, um, I've got a, a really great person who does my social media and they of course like blast it out there and do stories and do all that kind of stuff. I don't know how much social media helps, but I think you got to do it. You got to have a presence there too. Right. So I think that's all. Am I forgetting anything? You guys probably know better than me. Yeah. Yeah. You're forgetting so many things. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> I'm like, I'm an author. If I could write this down, it would make sense to you. <laughs> you know, this is, people are always making fun of me like Andrea and you call yourself an author. I'm, I'm not a public speaker. I'm an author. I'm not <laughs> writing my conversation with you. <laughs> exactly. I would do so much better if I could type it out. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Um, okay. So you've written lots and lots of romance books. Um, what sorts of things do you do to help you remember which tropes you've written? Oh, um, I try with each series to just like do something different. Like, like I said, we did like Navy SEALs and firefighters and football guys. And I can't remember all that, <laughs> but, and then recently I just did a survive the romance series, which is really fun. I took, um, a Navy, an ex Navy SEAL and a charitable woman who had her own charitable foundation. And they have some crazy adventure on a re reality TV show where they're trying to earn half a million dollars for a charity. Just so every book was just vastly different and really fun and all action adventure kind of stuff. The one I'm working on right now is a Royal family that I just created my own Royal family, created my own awesome Island they live on and, you know, gave them all kinds of crazy obstacles they have to overcome. And so that one's been fun because it's different. So I just try to, um, come up with some different concept each time with the series. And then that seems to help keep it fresh. You hope <laughs> my dad, my dad is really funny. My dad actually passed a few months ago and he was just a stud and he read all my books and he would tease me. He's like, Cam, you did another pilot again. I'm really disappointed. You're not keeping it fresh. I'm like, <laughs> I get so mad at him. <laughs> so yeah, he's not around to call me out anymore, but I try to <laughs> keep his voice in my head. That's awesome. That would be, well, my dad reads, usually reads all of my books, even my romance books. And that's something that he would be doing. He'd be like, uh, these characters are starting to sound alike, Andrea. And I'm like, well, romance, I mean, I can't really do a whole lot there. I mean, you can't have the really, really, really off the beaten path yeah. characters in romance, you know? Yeah. I know. Cause I actually started as a suspense, just straight suspense. And I mean, I did a book where I redeemed a guy that was a hitman, you know, and he had a really 
incredible reason for being a hitman. But yeah, I mean, I can't do crap like that in romance. Nobody. (laughs) Nope. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, Okay. So do you plan your series out far in advance? Um, And if so, what do you keep track of and figure out ahead of time? So I just focus on the series I'm on, but for me, that's plenty. You know, I'm usually, usually eight to nine books. Um, I'm really a pantser. So I just, I try to get a cover and may, I don't even do their names on Well, sometimes, but, um, a quick blurb, which will almost always change and just get it up for pre-order. And then I just focus on the book I'm on. Cause I, if I let my mind go, then I'll get too excited about the next book or the next series. And I won't be able to finish the one I'm on, you know? So I have to just focus on like, focus on the moment get it done, move on. Yeah. That's, that's really similar to how I am. Like I, I learned early on in this whole writing thing that if I let myself delve or think too much about the next project that I would lose excitement for the current one. And so I usually would like, I just keep this little file where I put ideas and I'm like, Nope, that's tucked away for now. Time for me to continue this, you know, current series. <laughs> Smart. We were actually um, talking about the idea file. I don't know if you, you know, it's like with all these ideas and then I, like a little synopsis of each book. But how many times do you go back and be like, "Crap, I did not put in their last name or whatever," you know? Just forget. So, but the ideal file is awesome. Yeah, uh, I, I've got a file for good ideas and bad ideas, and I have been just rating them constantly lately. So it's always good to keep track of everything is potentially useful, even if, if it's just fertilizer. Um, so, you know, we were actually just talking about this. I'll try to avoid um, going over you know, repeating things, but um, we've had folks on the, on the podcast underscore the fact that romance readers in particular have some pretty strict expectations of a book's content. Like, uh, you know, typically, uh, uh, happily ever after or happily for now is a requirement, for example. Um, so you were talking about how you sort of keep the series fresh with like new content, but how much slack is there in the formula is it itself? Like, do you sort of still need to follow the same story beats each time? Or can you mix that up a little bit without throwing the reader? I think you can mix it up a little bit. I, I mean, Definitely the happily ever after always happens for me, but I don't, like I said, where I'm a pantser, I don't follow any beats or any like, Oh, I need to have a kiss by page 40 or I tried to do that. Isn't what's the one that they call beating the cat or something about cat. I tried, <laughs> I tried to do that. Save the cat. Save the cat. <laughs> Thank you. Beating the cat. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to beat the cat. But, <laughs> but I tried that and I was like, going nuts and I called one of my favorite editors and I'm like Daniel I can't do this and he's like Cam think about what you did how many thousands of books did you read before you're 12 years old and I'm like yeah and he's like you've got the beats in your head just keep them in your head don't don't try to follow the formula so for me I don't follow the formula I just I just write the story and you know I, I I'm sure you guys feel this way I feel like the story comes to you and and usually it works sometimes I get called up by my editors and have to fix things but most of the time it works <laughs> so Okay. So, um, you kind of already answered this question already, but, um, have um, you, you talked, you had a kind of a gradual upswing into success, but have you had any books that have just way outperformed any of the other ones? Yeah. Um, recently I had a jewel family romance series that I have no idea why, but it was kind of, it was two years ago. Anyway, that one really took off and like huge success and like more pre-orders than I'd ever thought I'd get, you know, and everything was awesome. And the next series didn't quite do as well. I don't know something about that dual family. They were just like, 
you know, just an awesome family that um, owned a bunch of resorts like Puerto Rico and some other tropical places. And I don't know if people just like that, like the resort aspect and get away. But yeah, that was probably my most successful series, my dual family romances. Everything is awesome. <laughs> Sorry, now it's stuck in my head. Um, so what do you recommend new authors do to have success in clean romance and or romantic success? Six set six. six <laughs> what's that word? <laughs> Suspense. Suspense. Thanks, Joe. <laughs> You're awesome. No, um, I yeah, kind of what I've said. I think just keep trying to produce keep, and um, try to try to do, you got to do the advertising, but don't get too caught up on it because I think you can make yourself nuts unless that's your thing. You know, like some people really enjoy that. Um, I think the big thing actually, when I was talking to my author friends this week, I'm like, guys, I gotta be in this podcast. Give me some tips, you know? And we all talked about following your path and not comparing to other people because even with our own group, the fact that I can write two books a month, some can't. And some of them honestly for a while made themselves a little nuts trying to, and it didn't work, you know? So I think play your strengths, you know, if you're writing 150,000, you know, page book, word book, then that's going to be, that's not happening in two weeks, you know? So I think play to your strengths. If that's marketing, if that's growing your newsletter, if that's, I, I, I couldn't even imagine getting on TikTok, but I know some are having success with, you know what I mean? with TikTok or with videos on Instagram or whatever. So I think play to what you enjoy and what your success is. And I think you've got to do it because you love it though. I think if you're not loving what you're doing, if you're not having fun with it, it's going to come through and you probably won't have the success that you want, you know? Right. So, uh, we were talking a little bit about, uh, clean romance. The, the, the phrase clean romance was mentioned okay. and this might take some speculation on your behalf if you've not written different types, but do you feel that clean romance books have to be structured differently to produce a satisfying result than, than uh, a steamier alternative? Um, I, I don't know. I haven't honestly read a lot of steamy romance. Um, I think that from what I've heard, people always say you have to have more of the emotional connection rather than the physical connection with clean romance. I think that's probably the biggest difference. But I met, I'm betting a bunch of steamy romance people would be like, no, we, we do the emotional thing too, you know? So I think it's mostly that we're just focused on, you know, the kiss is the big thing. And we're not, you know, going, going to the bedroom or whatever. So um, it's more of a slow buildup, I guess. You know, even because they held hands, <laughs> you know, which, you know, you've been married 27 years. You're like, well, that was back in high school. <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> so I think for me, um, a lot of the story is just about, you know, how they get to know each other, the fun they have together, the adventures they go on. And that's more the story to me than, you know, the makeouts or the, the really like romantic parts physically or whatever. Is that? No. Yeah. Um, uh, so I don't, this would require you to have some uh, interaction with your fans. I don't know how much interaction with fans you have, but do you find that the, the clean romance readers tend to stick to clean romance or I should say, do well, you think there's any overlap with, uh, with uh, more traditional or, or steamier romance with your stuff or are people picky in that regard? So what I've seen, um, the clean romance people are pretty sticky. They're not going to usually go steamy, but I've actually had some, a lot of emails and I had people come up to me, you know, like at author events or book signings or whatever. Be like, I used to only read steamy or I almost told me to read erotica and I found you and I like yours. So that's a big compliment to me that they, they will switch. So I've seen it switch that way. I haven't seen it switch. Most of the people that read clean romance are pretty strong Christian too. 
And so they, you know, it's more moral reasons that they're reading clean, you know, so that's probably not going to change. So um, we're going to move into um, marketing and stuff like that. My next question has already been asked basically, but I, before we go into marketing, I was, I wondered, um, so how supportive has your family been? Like your husband, your kids, I mean, from the get go, ha- has there ever been a point where they've been like, Oh, you've been doing this for so long and, and things aren't going where we want them to, or, or have they been, has it just been all, um, yummy smelling roses and stuff the whole way? <laughs> so my husband has been super awesome. He really has like, he's been patient because I mean, it was like I said, you know, five years before I got published, but it was probably year 12 before I was making decent money, you know, and we did have the conversation at one point. I remember him, you know, we sat down he said, Cam, I know you can be successful at, you know, a career if you choose when pizza, that's our baby, sorry, his name's Phoenix. But when pizza gets in school, if you're not making X amount, will you go get a job? And I said, yeah, I will, you know, and that month I actually made double what our goal was. So that was awesome because yeah, it's hard to support somebody that's basically like a really time consuming hobby. Right. At first, um, my extended family was not quite so supportive. <laughs> my mom always was my dad. Um, I had siblings and, you know, other people saying this little hobby is kind of silly and you need to stop, you know, but I, um, I think because I was passionate about it and I loved it so much. And my husband, actually, I was talking to him about this the day I said, why were you always so supportive? Even when it took time away or when it was hard and, you know, cause back in the day I was trying to get an agent or a publisher and I saw because they got rejected again, you know, and he had to hold me and get through that crap. Um, and he said, the reason I always supported you is because it made you so happy and it brought you a lot of confidence. And I just saw that and I wanted that for you. So, I mean, that's, you know, a really awesome husband. Um, the boys, when they were younger, it was hard. Um, I, you know, like I said, I hear him say stuff like, yeah, my mommy's always on a deadline or, you know, and I tried really, really hard to only write if they're in school or sleeping. That was always my goal, but it doesn't always happen. So that was kind of hard, but they're super proud now, you know, they're really cute. Um, but yeah, it's definitely, it was definitely a long road. I think we forget the bad times, right? Do you you guys do that? I forget like, you know, the years of rejection or the years of honestly, when I first started out, I probably was a crap writer you know, and I needed to, because I didn't, I, I came to this from an exercise science background. I mean, come on. So, you know, I think that we, we tend to forget that. And, you know, once, once things are going better, but yeah, it was a lot of years of patience on my family's part for sure. Oh, should I turn yeah. I'm sorry. Should I- oh no, I was just going to say that, uh, yeah, once you start bringing home the big money, they, uh, oh, she, she wandered away. My question is sorry, super is horrible. <laughs> We just thought romantic suspense writer. She she's in a cave, you know, keeping it dark. <laughs> I have some good nightmares, I tell you. Um, but no, that's great that they support you. And I'm like I was saying, once you start bringing in some real money, the support comes maybe a little more easily. But you know, you've got some good people when they were there for you even before that. Thanks. Yeah. So we've kind of actually been talking about some marketing stuff all along, but I am curious because you mentioned that your newsletter is really important and we always tell people that too. That's like the best thing you can do is build that up. Uh, do you do any bonuses or how, how are you luring your, uh, your readers on there? Oh, it's hard. So, I mean, I've done all of it. Yeah. I, the Ryan Z, those like, you, you know, pay for them and you do a giveaway. I've done Ryan Z. I've done a lot of book funnel. Um, but mostly the organic ones are the best. I, you know, I have the, 
the front of the book and the back of the book, you know, sign up for Cammy's very important people list and you get a free book. Um, I haven't tried. I think that's really awesome. Like you were saying to give them a four book collection. I mean, that would be enticing and hopefully bring them into old series. Um, I try to change the book, you know, every so often. So it gets fresh. Um, and then recently with some of my friends, we've done some giveaways, you know, do like some pretty significant, like money giveaways or 10 Kindles giveaways or whatever. Um, and they have to sign up for all our newsletters to do that. And you know, it's kind of effective. I mean, you might get 3,200 new people, but only like 1,500 of them are actually do the rest of them are already on your list. And then you have, you know, maybe three or 400 that drop off pretty quick, but yeah, um, those have seemed to be kind of effective. Um, my ad agency will do an ad with, you know, bragging about, you know, USA Today or hundred books and da, 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 and get her free book here. So that's brought us some new newsletter people, but that's kind of spendy. I don't know if you guys, you know, with, um, cost per click, those are actually the highest cost per click that I have for those, which is weird to me. Cause I would think free book, it's a no brainer, but I guess they've seen it a lot, right? People, the readers have probably seen that quite a bit. Yeah, it's it's hard to know. I'm I actually am kind of a snob with my newsletter. I only put try to get the people who have read the book and link from the back and give them bonus material. Not that there's anything wrong with paying for clicks for sure, mm-hmm. uh, especially when you're really trying to gain traction early on. It can be tough to get the organic signups. So I haven't experimented with uh, paying for those clicks to get them to the free book landing page and on yeah. the newsletter. Oh when you hope they are a good reader. Cause I, you know how it is. Sometimes the ones that just want a freebie are not going to be your, your solid reader. So I think you're smart. The organic stuff is awesome. If you can do that. Yeah. It's always tough though to tell newer authors that they're like, nobody's reading the book. So nobody's seeing the bonus and the newsletters. I'm like, I know, I know you're going <laughs> to probably give away some books first or just be patient. It's hard to tell people that yeah and especially in this market i don't know for sci-fi but for romance we used to be able to give a book away on amazon or whatever and you i get a whole slew of new readers and i get like you know a bunch and then the book would go off free and it'd still sell well but lately i think there's a lot of free books out there so it doesn't seem to be quite as effective that way but yeah, I think a lot of the people that used to hunt for the freebies on Amazon are now they subscribe to Kindle Unlimited. And so everything in KU is, you know, free with their $10 a month. So I yeah. think those are kind of the same people that were looking for the freebies before. Which actually an author that's better for us, right? Because at least we get the page reads. So. That's yeah, good. definitely. Um, and I'm curious because you mentioned that you're maybe 70% or um, mostly in KU and exclusive with Amazon, but you have some wide, what was your decision there? Cause I do the same thing. So I'm always curious how people balance that. Well, I, I always just try to have a few series out wide and it's kind of a pain and I don't really make much money out wide. Um, it's mostly honestly, because I don't like monopolies. <laughs> like I, I don't shop at Walmart. I shop at our little grocery store, our hometown grocery store. I just don't love monopolies. And i Amazon's been great to me. I don't have any issues with them. They've always responded well to me. They've always done good, but I just don't want to put all my eggs in one basket. So that's honestly my only reasoning is put some out wide. And I do have some readers that will ask, you know, I, I only read on Barnes and Noble. Can you please put this series out wide? I'm like, yeah, sure. You know, I'll, I'll do that next. So yeah, if you can please somebody do it right. It's always been my policy. Uh, I, let the inmate, <laughs> I let the inmates run the asylum a little bit. Some, sometimes I please a little bit too much, but it's better than too little. Yeah, that's true. Um, so you were talking a little bit about like you 
are aware of the cost per click of some of your stuff. Uh, and you, you write books of, you know, you mentioned sometimes more comedy, sometimes more suspense. Uh, do you find that certain types of books, uh, are harder to advertise than others? Like, do you find that some books sell themselves a lot easier or, and whereas others might cost a lot more to advertise? Um, usually for me, it's just that first in the series that seems to, I put more money into and harder to build up, but usually when I, I'm pretty much always doing a series. And so once the series starts building, yeah, then it gets easier, but not really. Um, I did a rom-com collection a while ago, just straight rom-com. And that actually went really well. I was, I was pleasantly surprised. And I, do you guys do KDP rocket? Like the, I do. The program? Yeah. I um, have him when, on the show coming up. So oh, Check cool. out, check our next episode. <laughs> I think it is next episode. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. I love, I love that thing. But, um, when I looked up like a romantic comedy with suspense, it was a huge thing. And I was like, sweet. So I've used like that word a lot. And, Cause that's, you know, describes my books. I think if you can find something that's kind of different and a niche, it seems to, you know, do a little better. I honestly, um, I spent a lot of time researching keywords and researching, you know, um, AC, I can't say ASINs like numbers, you know, to get like best selling books in my ads or whatever. And recently I've just gone to all automatic because I don't know where I heard it. I think I was listening to some, you know, a- Amazon ad podcast or whatever, uh, not podcast, uh, anyway, <laughs> instructional video. And it was said like, Amazon knows what they're doing, trust them. And, I, and I've seen that my cost per click has gone down and my click through rate has gone up if I just do the automatic ads which honestly is a lot easier too. Right. And also, like I said, if I can get them up as soon as possible, cause I'll have a nine book series. If I can get ads up for all those books, the ones at the end of the series definitely do better because those ads have been running longer and are more stable ads. Yeah. You know, people talk about how the, uh, the algorithm, well, you'll, you'll often hear authors cursing the algorithm, but they're the algorithm that helps you sell books exists. You know, it's sometimes you can trust the automatic, uh, they've been working on it really hard. Yeah. So yeah, I I've found similar, uh, at the very least, the uh, additional effort that goes into getting all my keywords and stuff doesn't translate, you know, that time would have been better spent writing. So I often lean on, uh, uh automatic as well. Yeah. So I got one more question here. Um, you mentioned this earlier, but different advertising platforms tend to have different results and different learning curves, and they can be vastly different in terms of like, you can be exceptional at one and terrible at another. Uh, is there a platform that you would recommend for someone who's just starting or perhaps only really has time to focus on a single platform? I would probably say Amazon, honestly, the AMS ads. And I don't... I don't know. Like I said, Facebook used to rock it. I feel like it's kind of dropped off a little bit. Uh, maybe it just got too saturated, but it might come around, you know? So Facebook has always been good. I haven't had any success with the BookBub ads themselves. The featured deals have been great, but the ads, uh, maybe somebody else has figured those out. Um, yeah. And yeah, like I said, like you've said many times, just build a newsletter. But I would think if you only have one focus, I'd probably do the Amazon ads. And maybe it's just a matter of, you know, you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. Maybe Amazon pushes your book more if you have ads. I don't, I don't know that, but you wonder. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I've, um, my husband usually does my Amazon ads for me just because I was like, I just can't handle it. And he, he's like, he's, he's, he's like a data science. (laughs) He's not like he is a data scientist. Um, he's like a data science. Oh my gosh. English. (laughs) Anyway. 
Um, so my Facebook ads, like, um, I, I don't push them as hard as I used to, but they're still profitable for me. I just, I haven't noticed super so much the drop down because I haven't been using them as much lately, but I'm, I'm worrying, you know, that once I've fully switched over into writing romance, which is a switch I've been making this past year that, um, yeah, that I'm going to discover that. So it's going to be exciting. <laughs> I know when my ad guys talk about, is it called CPMs? So it's yeah. basically the competition that's out there on Facebook. And like last year during the election, it was just a joke. I mean, you know, they were pouring so much money in. And a lot of times he tells me like clean romance, there's a lot of money getting poured in there. And so it makes it really hard to stay as competitive. So that, that makes sense because, um, I mean, this is not the first time I've written clean romance. I did write it for a little while. And then I, I unpublished those books, you know, four years ago, five years ago, because I wasn't able to give them the time I wanted to, I, I, you know, having little kids, I can't switch back and forth between fantasy and romance very easily. Um, and when I tried ads, even back then, the romance ones were a lot harder for me to get off the ground than my fantasy ones were. And so that's, I wonder if that's been the case just for a little while where, you know, it's just not, there's just so many romance authors who are pretty marketing savvy, savvy, marketing savvy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, it's really cool. Cause back when I was first self-publishing, I I've been, I don't know why, but for some reason, it seems like they want me to speak to librarians a lot. And anyway, every time I go speak to the Utah librarians or whoever, they'd be like, Oh, we're so glad that you're not like those other self-publishers that have all the mistakes in your books. And, and they didn't know I self-published basically. They were like, we're glad you're not like those bad self-publishers. You know, I'm like, uh, I am self-published no. And I mean, I had a few with traditional publishers too, but I think now the self-publishers are rocking it. You know, I think they're in my mind, doing a great job and have a big chunk of the market. So it makes it yes, harder to market, but it's really cool too, because we're, we're, you know, really being good about having our books edited well and having good covers and doing good with, you know, marketing. So it's pretty cool to see how, how strong the self-publishing is, you know? Yeah, no kidding. I love that. Um, I do have one last question. It's, it's basically, okay. So you write while your kids in school, do you write on weekends? Um, how often do you take breaks from writing, like for family vacations, things like that? Okay. Um, yeah, every day, like I said, I write at least six hours. Sometimes a little bit more. My boys, they are getting older and my, my cuties are, are awesome lacrosse players. So they've got practice or they've got, you know, whatever. So I have a minute there Saturdays, my boys are janitors for my husband. <laughs> so I get like four or five hours while they go scrub toilets. So that's nice. So I wake up early on Saturday workout and then I, I write, um, you know, Saturday afternoon, evening is all for family Sunday. I always take off. I don't do anything on Sunday. I think, you know, no matter what your religion, the break for your mind is huge. And so I always take Sunday off, um, with vacations. I, I write like crazy on the airplane and then I try to put the computer away and, and just enjoy the vacation. But I actually, I don't know why airplanes rock. I can seriously, like I actually have written almost a whole book on an airplane ride once. So I, I don't know what it is about airplanes, but my husband is really into travel. And so he's always like, can I book this trip? I'm like, yeah, cause I can write on the airplane. And so, so that's, yeah. So that's what I usually do is try to shelf it once we're there and just enjoy the family and enjoy the people around me. And, and I lied. That's not my last question. So you, you work out like what kind of working out do you do? How, how does that affect your writing? I'm assuming that that affects your writing a lot, like being up and getting that movement in before you start writing. This is something that I've 
talk to some of my clients about. And it's such a personal thing that I can't be like, Hey, you need to work out without making it sound like I'm saying, uh, by the way, you need to work out. (laughs) Yeah. I actually have done a whole like, you know, presentations and articles on it. But, you know, um, I think for, for me, it's a habit, obviously. Um, I work out six days a week and I, I run a lot and I lift weights. That's basically all I do. Um, I used to be a really into it runner, like my 45th birthday, I ran 45 miles. So I used to really run <laughs> when, um, when my daddy passed it through me for a loop. And this summer I haven't ran over like eight miles at, t- at a time, which is still, you know, it's all right anyway. But I think that, yeah, getting that movement, it may, helps your brain. And for me, that is honestly when I stew about my books and I get all kinds of ideas. And like this morning as I was running, I was so stoked. I came running back in the house and I'm at a writer's retreat with my friends. And I'm like, you guys, there's a fugitive on the island and I'm so stoked. And you know, they're like, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, just stuff like that. And when you can get moving, I think, and no matter what it is, you know, even if you can just get out on a little walk or just, just do, you know, some yoga, something to just kind of let your brain flow and let your body kind of move a little bit. I think it will help you. I really do. But like I said, I'm an exercise scientist, so it's like a religion to me, right? <laughs> so. that's, that's like my husband. Like he's, um, he's uh, never taken like formal training. I mean, he's taken courses, but he's never like taken training at school and things like that. But he understands the, the science behind every single exercise theory on the planet. And he's like, he's like, you gotta be doing this. You gotta do that. If you're gonna do this, you gotta do this. And if you do this oh. and I'm like, he just, he works out, you know, like an hour every day. And I, I just, like, I really need to be doing that, but <laughs> it's, it's hard for me to remember because like, you know, our toddler just barely started sleeping through the night and I'm just like, I can't, I, I, it's yeah. I'm already so sleep deprived already, <laughs> Yeah, but yeah. it's hard. anyway, it's a huge thing because if your brain is not getting, it's, it's not getting enough blood, you're not going to be able to concentrate and you're, you'll be sluggish the whole day. And same with drinking enough water. I mean, you know, your brain is surrounded by fluid. If you're dehydrated, then you're prone to sluggishness, you know? Yeah, for sure. I think it's so true. You take care of your body and then, yeah, you'll be thinking clearer. Yeah. It's awesome. Okay. Well, we um, um, are out of questions now. Just kidding. We're not out of questions, but we're out of time. Um, yeah. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, where can people find you, uh, especially if they're looking for your books and all of that? Um, my website is just www.camicheckets.com or yeah, camicheckets on Amazon or Goodreads or uh, BookBub, Barnes and Noble, iTunes, just any of those. And yeah. Awesome. Yeah. yeah thank you so much for joining us. You guys are awesome. Thank you. Thanks yeah. for having nice me. Nice to meet on. you, Cammy. Thanks nice. for joining us. Thank you. So nice to meet you. Have fun on your vacation. Thank you. Awesome. Um, okay. So listeners, thank you for listening. Cammy is uber successful. We're not going to say how successful, but she is pretty successful. So like check out her books, especially if you're into romantic suspense and, um, listen to her advice. Um, I think that's something that we've, we've recognized regularly. The authors who are most productive, I mean, who are most successful are very productive and they're very focused in their time and all of that. Um, but um, yeah, thank you so much for listening. And thank you to Joshua Pearson for producing the show. You can find the show notes or leave a comment or question at sixfigureauthors.com with the number six and come join our Facebook group. That's pretty much where um, all the action and the movement is at. Okay, everyone. Thank you so much. We'll talk to you all later. Bye. Thanks. Bye-bye. So long, everybody.